WTBC Radio is sponsored by Live Bar. If you happen to be in the Salem area, please consider attending the Healthy Living and Gluten-Free Expo at the Cascade Hall here in beautiful Salem, Oregon on March 3rd, starting at 10 a.m. That's right. At this fantastic expo, you will be able to not only enjoy and discuss excellent food choices and options with people who make Cafe Yum or work at the Life Source Natural Food Store uh, or even Live Bar, uh, but you'll also be able to uh, find out about local businesses that are interested in healthy lifestyle choices, not just the food options as well. Uh, we're talking yoga studios. We're talking uh, live tech experiential learning, uh, breweries, uh, all sorts of things that are based right here in the area that are not just about food, but are also interested in helping you live a healthier life. Now, one way that you can do that is by incorporating live bars into your regular diet. So, what you'll want to do to find out more information about this event and our sponsor, go to livebars.com. That's L-I-V-B-A-R-S.com. And they'll find all sorts of ordering information and how you can participate or just simply attend the Healthy Living Gluten-Free Expo here in Salem, Oregon. Live Bar. Eat real food. It's our conversation with Daniel Warren. Guitar player and musician. And the songwriter behind Orchids. Bring a candle. It might get a little dark later. The hardest part about living in a city is deciding how and who you're going to interact with. And this might sound a little callous or even kind of asshole-ish, but realistically speaking, when you go out into the world, do you really want to share everything you are with everyone you meet? It's a challenge just to decide that you want to reveal yourself entirely to your partner. And sometimes there's stuff that you still keep for yourself, not because you're selfish or a jerk or an asshole, although you can be all of those things for sure. But I think realistically what we're talking about here is a need to keep a little bit something for yourself uh, that you don't necessarily want to just give everything away. That becomes particularly relevant when you are a creative person because uh, what you make is your stock and trade and the energy that you have for it and the persona that you put into it becomes part of the relationship to the work. I don't want to get too meta or too art school or cause anyone to particularly zone out. I mean, what I'm getting at is this sense that, you know, part of the creation is also the person who created it. And we get to control that as artists. 
to think otherwise is to assume that Kurt Cobain really was that way all the time, you know, <laughs> flipping people off and, you know, wanking endlessly on a guitar where it's just feedback and noise to piss people off and then uh, giving cryptic, if not outright lies as answers. Uh, it's unlikely that any of that is an actual reflection of who he was as a person, except maybe in some small way where that attitude was reflective of one facet of him. And to think that we all have these permanent personas, these attitudes that we're always presenting all the time, that any one perception of us is all of us in our entirety, it's a bit of a silly idea or assumption, you know? I mean, we're people. We go through shit. We have lives where we change and evolve, and the person that we are today is not the person that we were yesterday or the day before or even the 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Part of the uh, evolution of a person is to recognize that we are these changing people, these shifting and evolving personas that are not necessarily the same from moment to moment. And art gives us an incredible ability to capture that kind of thing and to keep a little snapshot of it so that whatever happens to us in the future, we have this thing that we can look back on and say, hey, that's us too. Full disclosure on this one, I actually happen to work with Daniel, and uh, we talk about music quite a bit, but this was the first time that I actually spoke with him about, well, his early bands and being a musician, and I think that uh, there was something about this approach where I didn't get deep with him previously that allowed me to kind of get at a few things he probably wouldn't normally address just to anyone. Uh, not that we get too gossipy or anything like that, but uh, there are elements of this conversation that uh, address some of the darker moments of Daniel's life. And, uh, you know, if you've had a problem with uh, drug use in the past and you're a little bit sensitive about that, this episode might be, uh, uh, you know, there's a section in here where we talk about that is, uh, I guess, a good way of putting it. So, Please um, consider that when you are listening. Uh, you know, people have lives where we've done things in the past that are not necessarily uh, pristine representations of uh, what we are now or who we want to be in the future. Uh, so uh, don't let that uh, tarnish your opinions. Uh, this is an interesting conversation with a songwriter who, you know, is yet again at a point in his career where he's thinking about change. He's thinking about something new. He's thinking about what the next version of his music is going to be. And uh, we reflect back on Orchards and, uh, you know, kind of give you a little bit of an overview of what that life has been like. And strangely enough, amid all of the confusion and conversation, I think we actually do get a little peek behind the mask. UTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. This episode was recorded at the Space Concert Club on January 24th, 2018. We have talked probably countless times, kind of just hanging out and whatnot about music in general. 
And, I, and one of the things that I realize with friends that I, where we talk about records and shit like that, is that I don't really ever ask, like, when was your first band? You know, <laughs> you know it always kind of like yeah. ends up being like, oh man, have you heard the Super Chunk record? It's super fucking good. You know, yeah. it's never like, super chunk? so what is, you know. You gotta, oh, you gotta listen. Yeah, yeah. Super you'll Chunk's like it. Great. <laughs> you are super chunk, but you'll like the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so I was curious. What, what was your first group? Like, when did that? When did you decide? Like, oh, you know, I like music and all, but like, I need to play something in a band. <laughs> oh, my story is funny as hell. Uh, I was. Uh, it started with my grandmother. She found out that I was really into music, and knew that my grandfather was not. <laughs> and. The only way for me to get into music was to play in the school band. Mm-hmm. And I had already played snare drum and trumpet throughout early middle school. And I was just like, well, I'm not a drummer. Right. Like, I can play beats, you know, I can write them, but I'm not like a, a drummer. So It's I just, not like your yeah, bag. Yeah, I just gave up on it. And she's like, well, you could play the bass guitar. <laughs> they have those in the school band. And I was just like, yeah, I was sold immediately. That's like, so helpful, too. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, like, I'm offering an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she went down to the local music store in Oroville, California, and got me this student entry-level fucking bullshit thing. I still kept the bass for years, you know, but it was like a amp, a bass, chord, and, a, you know, all of the beginner stuff. Like a book, you know, how yeah. to play hot cross buns. Yep. And, and uh, then... <clears throat> I finished the school year out there, and I moved to Oregon, and then I put music down, and then I skated, and then I met Aaron Brenham, who's my bass player now, mm. and we were really good friends in high school, and I just told him, like, yeah, I'm trying to learn how to play guitar, like, I really want to start a band, you know, because I had already gone out and seen some locals, and I saw him at a couple of the shows, too, so I was just like, you obviously get it. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? you're already in, Yeah, so... so I remember talking to a guy named Kyle Sanders. Uh, he was in this really popular band called Lytics. Okay. It was like a pop punk band. And he was uh, having trouble putting together this. I understand why he was having trouble, because it was from noon till one in the morning. <laughs> a concert, a New Year's Eve concert at the Ike 13 Box. hours. Yeah. And uh, he re- I remember him telling me that he was having trouble, and I was like, hey, you know, my band could play. <laughs> and I didn't have a band. But Aaron and I had already talked about starting a band, and this was just, like, the moment of, like, push to shove. Like, sure, you needed than, an inciting incident to kind of, like, push you over. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember I was, like, writing poetry rapidly. It was just, like, <laughs> fucking trying to write cool lyrics or stuff that made sense or had, like, a certain emotional appeal to it or something. I was just really weird about it like looking back on it now sure but uh, I remember just all of us you know it was him myself Nathan and Rick and I remember they were all psyched because they were in this band that was going nowhere like they didn't have a front man and they mm-hmm. were tired of writing songs because they just felt like they were copying other songs right and then like smashing it together and making their own and I was the first person that was like I'll write the songs you know mm-hmm. like, they're not good but like let's write songs Sure. And then um, we played like seven shows in the span of like three months and we're the talk of the town. 
and it was really weird. Like bands that had been around for a while didn't like us. <laughs> and stuff. Like they were because you were coming up too fast. Yeah, we were taking their light. And yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, like I get it. Like if I would have been in any of those cool bands and I heard the bullshit that my band was making and that was becoming popular, I would have been so mad, dude. Like yeah. I was like, I remember being so like quote unquote ahead of the time. I felt. Mm-hmm. And now I look at it and it's like, yeah, in a way, but I didn't have the skill to execute it. So it was yeah. just like this uh, this really sophomoric, screamy indie rock stuff. Sure, you you had you knew the essence of what you wanted to do, but you didn't have the skill yet. Oh, yeah. You weren't like... At all. Yeah. I didn't even know what a pedal was. You were practiced. <laughs> like, I, I, like, literally, I came to the first rehearsal. I didn't own a guitar. They stole an amp from me from the high school. Sure. Like, legitimately. In the long tradition of how many uh, yeah. bands start out, that is a way uh, yep. most people get an amplifier. <laughs> and I remember it was like a 115 in an acoustic bass, like the acoustic brand bass amp. Mm-hmm. But they were just like, well, we tore the tweeter out mm-hmm. so you can play it as a guitar amp. <laughs> and that's kind of where, like, for the longest time, my, my guitar oh. tone was super low and deep, and I really liked that until I started using different amplifiers later in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that band was called Indigo Hearts, and we just fucking threw it together. I remember being in school and everyone being psyched, like I said, because yeah. their band was kind of, it was called Jinkies. Okay. And I thought that was a cool band name, and they were like, yeah, but if you join the band, we can't call it Jinkies anymore because it's not the band. Right. And I just remember I was planning on having us rehearse at my friend Tara's house. And she lived on Indigo Street in North Salem. So, like, for whatever reason, I was just like, Indigo Hearts, that sounds funny. Like, let's <laughs> use that. It does have a very, like, um, indie rock-ish kind of vibe to yeah. it, where it feels like, oh, this could be, like, a Kill Rock Stars, you know, release or something like that. That's what so. I thought. I was so sure of it. Yeah. Like, I, I remember being like, we're going to get signed, blah, blah, <laughs> And, uh... I mean, I think that's how every kid is when they get super excited about something. I, I, you know, I, I connect with that uh, claiming you've got more than you have for your first show kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. that was, I think, every friend of mine who was starting a band, they were always like, oh, yeah, we got a, you know, at least an hour worth of material and we can play any night. And, they, you know, they just started yesterday. Yeah. They have no, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I mean, that spirit of wanting to play in front of a crowd, like, was there someone that you were like, that's the one I want to be like? Or... Alex Preciado. Alejandro <laughs> Preciado. He's one of my best friends. Okay. Um, but I looked up to him when mm-hmm. I was a kid because he, he and I looked like the same person, mm-hmm. right? Like, I got, I, I was confused for him a, a few times. And I was, I, uh, it was disheartening back then. But, um, Subconsciously, I was dressing like the guy, you know. Mm. I fucking adored him or some shit, you know. I just thought he was the best fucking thing that ever happened. And part of me still does, you know. Some of the music he makes is like, uh, it's it's always popular four years later. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? It misses the mark right at first, and then people regret having not been to that show much, very quickly. Yeah. Like, I was in a, a band with him after. Our teenage years were up. I was in Murphy and Weller with him, and it was this electronic dance band. And I loved that shit. Like that was. I didn't even really get to do anything besides play bass. But mm-hmm. it was probably one of my favorite bands until Brides, and then like just just because like I like going into something where I don't have to write the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just like yeah. to be like, oh, that's a cool sketch, dude. Check out this fucking blood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, right, or, right, right. or just like. 
I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Uh, and then, like, a month later, I have, like, this crazy orchestrated guitar part, you know? <laughs> it just, like, fills up everything. Right. Um, but, yeah, that was the guy. It was it was Alex Preciado, or Alejandro Preciado, and he he's active now doing a band called Besos. Mm. And if you like, you know, really good pop music that's not white, Okay. <laughs> gonna, that's the place yeah, to it. You love it. It's, nice. Um, he's very, very serious about, I guess, promoting the culture that he grew up with and like keeping that alive in his music. Sure. You know, and I didn't understand it earlier on. Mm. And then I met his family, and like he, his brother and I are super close. Like we were out, out in the fucking mountains of California trimming pot for like a long time, just sure, like hanging out and getting to know the family and all of that. And I just I understand, you know, it's a super rich culture. And like, there's like a book written about his great grandfather called like, uh, "Am I the Hero or a Villain?" Hmm. And it's. Uh, Mexican. It's a Mexican author that wrote the book, and it's basically about his grandfather helping people that were wanted, but they were not bad people. Sure, 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 sure. And so it's like a superhero in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like in 1950, right? You know, right. he was he was hiding people. Got it, they got were it. wanted by the government or the mm-hmm. local authorities, and then he was executed in front of his entire family. Whoa! Yeah. Like it's um, it's this super crazy story that like I just didn't understand when I was a teenager, and then right. like, Chepe or Jose's older brother was like explaining some of the stuff to me, and I was just like, holy shit! So you guys like yeah, have yeah. like super serious <laughs> culture where you come from? Like you, you're, it's not like you're from Mexico. It's like. You're from Mexico. Yeah, 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 in a whole other way than like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with street tacos, you know. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just super cool, you know, to see him doing that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of my friends that make cool music, you know, are like white idiots most of the time. Yeah, like, we, you usually start that way as, yeah. as a kid for sure. I remember my teenage interests being so narrow because it was just like, you know, girls and beer and like loud music and yeah. it was so like it had no substance to it and then like you get like you know a little older and you're like oh that mm-hmm. was really vapid wasn't it <laughs> yeah totally dude and it's like wild like I used to look up to these people that are super uh, they're successful you know they're super mm-hmm. successful but I listen to their music now and I'm just like you guys are fucking idiots yeah. like why would you put that record out mm-hmm. like it feels it's childish. Like, it feels it, it just feels contrived. It's like yeah. they're forcing this pop sensation to happen and it's like, dude, like mm-hmm. don't no one cares about your bubble gum. Like Yeah, yeah. Get out there, push the boundaries, make your record clip, make it sound like shit. So that people are like, What's up with this record? And then you'd be like, It's supposed to sound like that, you know? Yeah. Give Do it some, your personality. Yeah, something edgy. Give it an edge, you know, mm-hmm. that's your own, that's not ripping off, you know you know, you're in a fucking band of a bunch of white boys and then you're ripping off a band that's all Latinos or, like, African-Americans and it's, like, mm-hmm. you know, bands like David Bowie's band. They're, they didn't have all white people. They right. Had fucking, they had diversity because that's 
the kind of man he was, you know. Was just yeah, like, well, and it was he was looking for more in his group than just you know a bunch of white guys. Exactly, he wanted an expanded palette. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's just like a thing that I see nowadays. Like I remember, I used to be really close with uh, Aldo Arevalo, who uh, I think he does Aldo Calrissian. Yeah, and, and like a bunch of other little things. Like he's that. drumming in the paintings. Oh right yeah, he's now. in paintings now. Yeah. But I remember trying to explain to him, like, because he wanted to start a band with me, and I was like, dude, it will be exponentially more exciting and lucrative for you to start a band with people that aren't white, dude. Yeah. Like, not trying to be <laughs> weird, but, like, you're Guatemalan, and, like, you can be, like... Yeah, well, and it's something that uh, people around here definitely don't hear in a lot of the local bands. Oh, like, at like all. Like, any of his, you know, influence. Yeah. And that's why, like, I, I wanted to play with music with Aldo for, for years, but we just don't, we don't see eye to eye, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't wish him any ill will or anything like that, but it's just, like, we don't get along. Like, it's, like, we get along <coughs> in controlled environments or, like, during a, a calm discussion or any of that stuff, but it's, like, when it comes to, like, the brass tacks of, like, what are we doing here Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like there's like a huge disconnect it's like even though we have the puzzle pieces and they work perfectly together like for whatever reason they're just like you know they're charged against each other it just won't connect and do you think this is because you're always looking for something new because one thing i've noticed between the most recent orchards album and then that ep that you put out is that they feel like different um different versions of Orchards in oh, a yeah. way, you know? Like, it's the same group, obviously, but, like, it feels like you had this completely new vision of, like, oh, you know what Orchards could be is this, and then you did the EP. And, I, and I'm just wondering, is that because you're always looking for a new thing and some people are looking for a retro thing? Um, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like, I'm always, I mean, like, if you come see my band play live, like, it's just, it's something happening. There's something we do up there, and it's, you know, Adam, he's this guy that just, like, shows up, and he's like, okay, that's your song? Watch this. <laughs> you know? And he just fucking makes it better. Every band needs one of those guys. He <laughs> does that to any fucking band, right? And then, like, Stan is just like, okay, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be palatable about it. Yeah. You know? And then I'm just like, no, turn it the fuck up. Like, you know, <laughs> push the game. Like, I'm always just about, like, pushing. It doesn't matter if it's... Sure. In the right direction or the wrong direction, it's about advancing. Like with the new EP, it was like the string section and like myself and them were no longer operational together. Got um, it. There was a lot of toxic behavior between all of us. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not innocent at all. But that happened, and before that had happened, I'd been introducing these songs that were. The predecessor, you know, it was like changing slightly, but still had the droney, dirty elements to it. Well, a little shoegazy, yeah. but, but but different. And they weren't having it. They mm. hated all of them. They hated every song that I brought to the table, and not to bash them about it. It's just like they were not having it. They were not interested in. They were not the right people for yeah. that song. And when they left the band, I called Geisler and was like, <clears throat> "Yo, dude, like." are we even a band anymore? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Right, 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 right. I was so confused and, like, hurt and upset, you know, because Jacob was my best friend and Elizabeth was my partner at the time and just things in their heads changed. So right. I had to get with the program. And uh, I moved out and 
started the new project, which is Orchards, you know, but it was a different vein. It was, I basically wanted to write music that was cooler than any of the shit I listened to in high school. Because that was all the <laughs> shit that like, influenced me, right? Sure. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to write some songs that are fucking better. Like, no matter what. Like, if you're a, a music historian, mm-hmm. you put my music up to Taking Back Sunday, and the only thing they're going to win on is vocal melody. <laughs> and that's because those bitches got hella money. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, right. It was just like this, this concept in my head. I was nannying a child, and he really, really liked pop punk music and, like, mm. emo stuff. And, like, I'd pull up, like, a playlist, you know, on Spotify, and this little kid would just, like, yell like yell <laughs> with the songs like he didn't know most of the words but he would yell along with them and like he gets so happy and sure. i just remember being like that's what it's about you mm-hmm. know music is supposed to be fun so i just remember writing these songs and i'd play them for the kid there you go you know i'd play oh, them for the two-year-old the perfect audience and <laughs> if he didn't like them Orchards never heard them. Yeah. And wow, what a perfect berry. Oh my gosh. It was pretty wild. Yeah. I didn't I had no intention of doing that, but he loved music, he loved food, movies, going on walks, skateboarding. So he and I got along and I just yeah, yeah. took care of him for about a year. His mother and I are very close and it just was a good healing period for me. Sure, and, sure. Uh, just doing it that way was a different a different route you know yeah, I'm looking for yeah. something new pushing and it, it felt like a an experimental route that led to something that was more in a way like palatable mm. than experimental I feel like the new music is more sing-songy people can like right they can memorize the lyrics and come sing them at a show if they wanted to mm-hmm. like the old stuff is uh, very introspective and like Definitely different. If you want it, you can have it. But you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. If you are looking for professional photography and contemporary style and glamour, then J. Jean Portraits is your destination. Based right here in Salem, Oregon, just like this podcast, J. Jean Portraits can offer the right kind of photos for the project that you have in mind. Family photography personal branding, magazine-style fantasy photo shoots, band photography, J. Jean Portraits wants you to look and feel your absolute best, and they know that professional work at a reasonable cost is the way for you to get there. WTBC radio listeners will be able to take advantage of a contest where they will be able to enter and win a photography package by J. Jean Portraits. Please keep listening for contest details and how you can win these awesome, awesome deals. But until then, please visit jgeneportraits.com for a dazzling gallery of photos that will help you decide what kind of photography package will work best for you. Home, business, or just because you're feeling sassy, JG Portraits will deliver these perfect snaps every single time. That's jgeneportraits.com. A professional look tailored specifically for you. Well, especially that last album where it's like, it's so, um, I mean, I think I used the phrase winter-like in a oh, way. Like I, I was very, in winter for like five years. Yeah, where Definitely. it felt very kind of like I'm looking out and watching the snowfall and everything is just 
bleak, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but with a um, kind of singy, songy undercurrent as well. Um, I wanted that, but I just felt like I could never do it in that band. In yeah. that, in that, uh, that lineup. Got it was it. just different. Like Kelly, our original guitar player, is in the like funeral doom and black metal, and like he was not <laughs> into my emo roots, you know. Right, right, right. He's um, looking for something else. Yeah, sure, and, sure. Uh, Geisler, the drummer, you know, he and I, we, he was in Murphy and Weller. That's how I met him, and they got kicked out. Okay. And because he he couldn't believe it or not, he couldn't play the parts right. <laughs> um, and I remember just being like, yo. Mm-hmm. Can I get that drummer for my band? And he's like, dude, I already told him if he wanted to be in a good band to call you. <laughs> Has he not called you yet? He was pissed. Like, Alex Preciado uh, was mad. Drummers or, are a commodity, though, because, like, there's only so many of them, mm-hmm. and, like, they get their, their, their schedules fill up quick. <laughs> yeah. But he, he and I saw eye to eye from the beginning. You know, he and I have had, like, uh, discrepancies on, like, vision, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or... Anything like, we've had stuff like that, but we always figure it out. We talk and like yeah. come to a compromise or just nix a project because we're just not we're not able to come to a compromise. So yeah. it's better to just not do it than do it shitty. Yeah, let's talk about the evolution of this vision because I like you know you have a very clear idea of what you want your music to be, but I'm sure that you didn't like just you know you pick up a guitar and you had that vision from day one. Like, how did that? Was this like each band added kind of a new like, I want this but not that, or how did that come come about? Where you reached this point where you're like, now I know what you know Daniel's music's gonna be. Oh, dude, how I figured that out, I quit playing music in college. <laughs> I, college does that to so yeah, many people. <laughs> I was going to college and I was just like, I'm gonna be a fucking physical therapist and then I realized that I had to go to school for exponentially like just as long as a fucking doctor mm-hmm, just as long mm-hmm, as a doctor mm-hmm. and I get paid a fraction of the wage and I was just like I don't want to help people that much you know <laughs> it's just like you lose a decade of your life and you're still not making shit that. and I, I was so pumped on it for the first year and a half until I did the math yeah. and realized that like I'm going down a long path mm-hmm. you know and unless I have my own practice you know it's just like this whole thing yeah. So I started picking up the guitar again, you know? And there you go. I remember writing these songs and just being like, oh, this is kind of cool. I didn't have any pedals, you know? I just had an amp and a guitar. And I just remember trying to write songs that were cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. Because yeah. I was tired of writing songs that were good. I was tired of writing good songs. Yeah. Like <laughs> writing songs that I liked. It was more important that the music was cool. Yeah. And that happened in college. And then from there, it was like, I started the original Orchards after I was in this band with Kevin Lapsley, who's in DPRST. Mm -hmm. I was in this band called uh, Brave the Weather, and it was like the most experimental, avant-garde, like noise rock (laughs) mixed with like palatable, high-energy punk. Okay. And uh, Kevin, bless his heart, was trying to be the vocalist. And he's like a shoegaze guy, you know? So he couldn't really do it. And then the drummer wanted to just, like, be a dad or something. Like, he never even had a kid. He was just, like, dating my friend's mom. And wanted to be, like, a grown-up. So the band kind of fell apart. And I remember working at a tattoo shop, still playing guitar, trying to write these songs. I started figuring out some chord progressions I liked. 
and I was like, I need to start saving up to get pedals, you know. Yeah, and that's when you start taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's when I started taking it seriously. Got it. Because so like, there is that point where, like, you start starting bands, and you start playing, and you start writing songs, and you're like, this is fun for the weekends, and yeah. the guys and I will get together, and we'll split a 12-pack, and, you know, uh-huh. it, this house party's going to be a lot of fun next month. And then you go like, wait a minute, like, do I really want to do that? And then like have a shitty job on the side or is this what I want to do? <laughs> that was it. That yeah. was the time. Like I remember I was sitting outside of the tattoo shop playing this shitty acoustic guitar that my boss would let me play. <laughs> Between customers. Yeah. And uh, I remember I had the day off. I was literally just hanging out. And mm-hmm. like, I think I was on some dope or something, just like some pills. Or I had drug problems. Uh, but I remember sitting out on the, the, the uh, there was this bench out front, playing the guitar, and he came out to smoke a cigarette with me, and he's like, so you figure out a band name yet, or what, dude? And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, Dead Apple Orchard, I think that'd be really cool, you know? The imagery is, like, super interesting, you know? Mm, okay. Apple trees look fucking gnarly anyways, and, like, yeah. a Dead Orchard, like, Dead Apple Orchard, that'd be kind of cool. And yeah. he's like, dude, just call it Orchards. And I remember, all at the same time, I felt extremely, like, disrespected. Mm. And, like, also, like, he had just given me, like, the golden cow or something. Right. It was, like, this weird (laughs) moment of just being, like, yes. That's all I can say right now is yes. That is it. (laughs) Because I'd been trying all summer to come up with a band name because I had told Russ that I was going to be a part of this uh, all new bands, all new projects uh, premiere show Right. that was happening at the Triangle. It was two days. And I was like, I'm going to do that. He's like, hi, got to come up with a band name. Oh, and a band. You know? <laughs> right. Because he's a smart ass. And uh, my friend Chad, who played bass in uh, Break the Weather, swapped on over to Orchards, played bass in that band. And my friend Matt Stuthey, he's a great guy. Uh, he, he played drums. And then again the same thing happened where we played for like six months and people were really into it and some of the locals that have been around for a while were definitely not into it <laughs> they're definitely not into the fact that Danny was in a good band again yeah and uh, fighting that uh, that weird animosity that comes from that because once you get I feel like it only happens in smaller towns mm-hmm, like once you get mm-hmm. to the top of the of the pond yeah. You, don't, you don't want to give that up, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, especially without a fight. I remember being super discouraged, and then I called Orchards. I was just like, I'm not going to do this right now. Like, Chad, do you want to come do this other band with me? Because Matt, you're a dick. We're not getting along anymore. <laughs> I love Matt Stewart. But, like, at the time, he wanted to, like, bring in a vocalist in t- into my band mm. without talking to me about it. Oh. Like, he had been talking to vocalists around town without talking to me first. Because he just, misunderstood whose band it was. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm writing all the songs, dude. I'm writing all the lyrics. I'm, write, I'm like, booking all the shows. Like, Right. I'm pretty sure it's my band, you know? Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. then I started Jackson Blair, which was, like, similar to the Old Orchard, which was more post-punk. It was very gothy post-punk. That's what it started as. Mm-hmm, Nothing mm-hmm. else. It was a rip-off of, like, Interpol. You uh, know? yeah, yeah, It was yeah. just, like... Not really a ripoff, but it was like Interpol met like Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> like not even like Ozzy Osbourne, but like Ozzy on like a pound of cocaine in Black Sabbath. Sure, you know, like sure, sure. My voice, I couldn't hit high notes, so 
when I'd go for it, it sounded wretched, which I thought was cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that would, would just come to mind when we were writing these songs. It's like, this is fucking cool, you know? It's like, it's like post-punk, but it's like fucking satanic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the other band was more like the Smiths and the Cure, you know? Cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I was just like, well, if they're not comfortable with me doing this band, maybe I'll do this other band that's more inherently pop and people will just be okay with it. They'll yeah. just let me have it, you know? They'll let me have my moment. That's how it always felt when I was younger. Now I'm just like, no, dude, you were doing some music that was pretty okay. Mm -hmm. And like, people were just not having it yet. Sure, but sure. But at the time when you're in something like that, you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, why, why isn't anyone taking this as, as serious as I am? Well, and that's such an interesting... I mean, because we, we've talked about records, and so you have this equal pull of, like, a heavy metal and a goth kind of vibe oh, yeah. informing your songwriting. It's like... Um, it's almost kind of like a Slayer at a at a Cure show kind yeah, of vibe, definitely. Almost. And uh, I mean, like that's interesting because, like, I mean, I'm sure that other people have thought of that before, but I haven't seen it executed in a way where it actually kind of works. You know, like I think people put a little bit of too much of one and not the other. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> that's definitely something that happens. I think, and I think I just got lucky, you know, with the people I play with. Sure. Um, it wasn't necessarily like I was like a fucking idiot savant and I had all this, this shit that you just had to learn how to play. You know, mm -hmm. it didn't feel like that. It was just like, I got lucky. Right. You know, extremely lucky. Everything that's happened in my life from the age of like 21, I just feel is like these blessings from the universe that just like happen. I don't, right. I don't know how they happen. I, I always try to be kind to people, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just like it all accumulated to this thing. I was really into like experimental music and I think that's why I was okay with adding the heaviness of like, like you said, Slayer, like, you know, at a Cure concert. Because right. I wanted <laughs> it to be pretty, but also like, you know, a 2018 woman, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, pretty, yeah. but they can still fucking knock your lights out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> or it's like, we, we're no longer limited to, it has to sound like the, you know, like you, you made an interesting distinction between good and cool. Yeah. And I like that because like <clears throat> there is this notion of like, well, if I am technically good at everything I do and I technically write cool songs yeah. now or, or popular songs now, I guess is a better way of putting it, then like every show I do will just be fantastic. Which is like basically the the recipe for like a bad band. <laughs> oh yeah. I I actually had some mental breakdowns because of that. Like I remember just thinking, like that that record you talked about, a shallow bird. Mm -hmm. um, I literally we came home from tour and I didn't leave my room except to work mm. for like a month straight. I was I was so shockingly depressed. Wow. Because the record just had nothing. No one that I thought was going to care hmm. cared, and no, you know, it's just like people it was like surprising like you you loved the record julie loved the record. <laughs> you know all these people loved the record but it was like surprising it wasn't like okay the northwest post rock collective is going to love this record they're going to allow us to play their um, showcase show which mm. we were a part of the collective for three years and never played a single showcase <laughs> so it's like this whole thing like got to me dude it really fucked my head up and they didn't really care right. you know and that's okay. It wasn't their responsibility, but it was just I had high hopes. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and perhaps their vision of what quote unquote post rock is was more strict. Yeah, <laughs> or just more copy paste. Mm, really, yeah, that's I probably mean, more accurate. Yeah, like the Northwest Post Rock Collective. Like most of those bands, I love the people involved, and I think some of their bands are like fucking cutting edge. But to be real, most of the shit they get excited about is music that has been being made for the last 15 years. And it's like, right. we all know what a fucking delay pedal is. We all know what plate, <laughs> what plate reverb is. Right. Like, chill out, write some artistic songs, write mm-hmm. some music that's like, you know, like I said, like it's pushing a boundary. Just do something. And it's a good point, because if you strip away all the pedals and you still can't play shit, then like what you don't even have a band. Yeah, I have know? all of my songs about pedals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is something that a lot of people, <clears throat> especially in that post rock um, shoegaze, there's so many different ways that it's always kind of like um, classified. But in that world, there's a lot of people who think like, oh, if I just have a nice pedal chain between me and the amp, like that's my band. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. I've met a few people like that. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's frustrating. <laughs> oh, absolutely. When, uh, especially when you try and play music with them. Like, uh, I definitely over the last few years have tried to join other bands, and like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily because I think I'm great or anything. I just like to play other music that I don't have to write. And yeah. For the longest time, no one would even give me a chance, dude. Mm-hmm. No one would let me come jam with their band because they just like had some preconceived notion of what I would bring to the table. Interesting. Yeah, it was super weird. I tried to be in the band. Uh, I didn't try. I definitely hinted at wanting to be a part of the band <laughs> multiple times, and eventually they got another guitar player, uh, The Pumps. Okay. You yeah. know, I was just like, that's a cool rock band. I can make that shit wild. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, just like, yeah, I, yeah. It, It's like four on the floor. I could be... I could be out of my fucking mind and still have fun. Right, right, right. You can still uh, come back in when you do the uh, bridge or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, there was a few bands like that. There was the Pumps, there was uh, Super Church. Uh, mainly those two bands, you know? I was really about that. Yeah. And it just never happened. Well, this is something I think that, uh, I mean, I've been circling the drain on this a little bit, but when, when you are in a smaller scene, there's definitely like a different... Uh, chemistry vibe something that you have to worry about where it's not just your ability to write a song or play guitar but it's also like oh yeah and then like I want to be considerate of this person because they've been in the scene for this long but like I want to play shows here so I also have to like you know scratch this back and like it's funny how like being a good musician and playing your guitar well and writing cool songs ends up kind of like not being it's like that's half of the game sometimes <laughs> it feels often like it's for not yeah really, you yeah. know it's like i i quit practicing guitar years ago i don't do that mm-hmm. i i'll if i hear something that freaks me out you know like someone's technique i'm just like the fuck are you alien right like, I'll, go learn that <laughs> technique. I'll go learn something new mm-hmm. but other than that it's just like it doesn't matter if i'm the best fucking guitar player in the world like if I don't suck the right dick, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's there, there can be a little bit of that in small scenes, like a very much of like, if oh, you don't yeah. know the secret handshake, suddenly yeah, everything yeah. falls apart. Yeah. yeah. Which is a bummer too, because like, you know, part of what I connected with, at least initially with uh, the Orchard sound was this sound of like, 
wow, you're like drawing in a lot of different shit. Like you're not just trying to like please one crowd of people. Like you're doing like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And like that overall record, while it does have this kind of moroseness to certain parts of it, like there's certainly like a, but it's not just emo morose. It's not just like metal morose. It's like I'm, I, I want to have like a, a varied palette on this album. Yeah. And, and it's funny how like people can be so dismissive of something that's so inclusive. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt too. Uh, that's that was the big the big struggle. Like I I started having like I, I wasn't sleeping. I'd like I'd come work at the space and I'd do like a full fucking shift just volunteering, washing dishes because I was so miserable because the record didn't do well. Like I didn't didn't get any real reviews outside of Salem or like um, I kind of did in uh, Russia somewhere. somewhere <laughs> the Isn't that funny how yeah. it can always be these places so far away that it might it feels like a fantasy almost? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm like Brazil always shows its love. Like that place, I don't know what it is about Brazil, but they love our bands and they buy things and they they help us stay, you know, doing what we're doing. They're, sure, it's just like. They're very informed on what we're doing because of the blog that celebrates itself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's had us on a few of his comps, and for whatever reason, they are fond of the sounds we make. Yeah. As like, a, I wouldn't say everyone in Brazil, but sure, know, sure. A vast majority of the people that seem to support us and like our band are from mm. halfway across the world, and that's. That's nice. That's well, cool. And it's funny how, like, sometimes, and you kind of hinted at this earlier, it takes a few years for your own hometown to catch on to shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really hoping that's not the case, because Orchards is, like, done. You know? <laughs> like, I'm over it. Like, I, I love the band, but it's just, like, that record, mm-hmm. if that were to catch on in five years, I would just be, like, Sure. Right. Well, you have a nice checkbook. Because uh, I'm not getting in a room with those people without, like, supervision mm-hmm. and narcotics. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. be around some of them. And uh, it's just scary, you know, to think about that. Like, oh, maybe that record's going to be something that's super important that I made, which I don't think that. But, like, sometimes it creeps up, you know, yeah. because it's like... I'll hear about fucking Mineral. I went and saw Mineral, the worst band in the world live. <laughs> and I loved their recordings growing up. And mm-hmm. I remember there was this huge fucking buzz about them doing a reunion tour and a new record and stuff like that. And that would be miserable. That would be the most <laughs> frightening fucking time of my life to have to like sure. go back to a time where I literally wasn't sure I was actually alive mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that whole time that I wrote that record I had this like weird mental disconnect where I was literally convinced like beyond a reasonable doubt that everyone I had interacted with on a daily basis was all dead Whoa. like I literally did not think any of us were <clears throat> a part of the living anymore I was in this weird Headspace. I had seen this movie a few years prior, and one day it just like it made me think that maybe I'm living in purgatory. Wow! I just flipped. Yeah, 
Interesting. Like, was it, now not to pry too deeply, but was this when you were having some? You mentioned you had problems with drugs. Was that? It was after it. It was oh, so maybe this was the coming down. Yeah. Where you're like coming off of shit and everything feels dead and wow. It was wild, dude. Wow. It was super wild. This is something you know. I've had the mildest exposure to this through the several times I've quit smoking, where mm-hmm. like suddenly your chemistry is completely out of whack Absolutely. and you feel fucked up. Uh, and then, like, for, in my case, you know, it's like two days later and you have a drink and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is something that people don't talk about a lot, is that there is this weird in-between period where you are done with the thing that you're kicking. Yeah. Uh, but you are not clean yet. Yeah. And not a lot of people like to talk about that part right Oh, there. yeah. That was definitely, like, I got, I got off narcotics six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I got off. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like I wasn't fucking around with them. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like I was an addict, and then it was more recreational than habitual. Got it. it sh- I, I w- I'm the kind of guy that can take or leave something. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I'm down with that drug or I'm down with the way it makes me feel, I'm just going to go down that rabbit hole because I know I can just be like, Hit. you know, unless it's these fucking things, these cancer <laughs> sticks, fucking cigarettes. <laughs> the only thing that I'm just like, I'm going to kill myself and every fucking one in here if I yeah. don't have a cigarette. You know, it's like a weird disconnect because I could be like, I just did 200 milligrams of morphine yesterday mm-hmm. and I have no opiates at all whatsoever for the next five months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Give me a cigarette to, though because I, I need a cigarette yeah. between now and five months later. <laughs> yeah. It's super weird. It's just a weird thing for me. And um, Sure. I think sure. it always has been and I think that's the reason my family didn't really take my drug abuse um, seriously. Oh, interesting. No one in my family really ever uh, thought it was a big deal because mm. they were all fucking meth heads and shit in the eighties. Oh, it wasn't so this meth was then, kind of like but, you know. Oh, this is this happens. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember breaking down and just being like, "No, it's not fine. Like right. I'm gonna fucking die. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. This kills people. You know." And, but yeah, that's that's where I was like during the writing process of that album because it was just like I was getting clean. I quit doing. Um, Xanax. That was the mm-hmm. big last narcotic I was like really stuck on. Sure. Because I could take two pills, have a beer, and be fun all night. It, I could, yeah, you're you're in a good place. Yeah, and I'm gonna be crap. the nicest guy to everyone in the room. <laughs> sure. I'm not gonna fuck with anyone. I'm just gonna have fun and go home. That's mm-hmm, what that mm-hmm. drug did to me. And it was getting sober off of Xanax that because at the time I quit, I was up to like five or eight milligrams a day depending on how i was feeling you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was like getting loaded dude just like any other fucking dope fiend like right i was just into it um i had no rhyme or reason there was nothing wrong with my life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like legitimately i look back on it now and i'm just like you wanted so badly to be the struggling artist <laughs> as you gave yourself a struggle <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous. You grow up and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you let that continue, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where that album comes from. And I think that's why it has so many different influences crammed into one. It's very inclusive. There's there's uh, imagery that's very relatable. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. that going on. And it's just one of those things where, because I didn't really believe I was still alive, you know, and like a couple other things were happening, I could bend the rules. Mm. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. It I was like, like that. it's like I'm not fucking alive anyways, and neither mm-hmm. are any of you guys. So these songs can kind of just take on their own. They can be yeah. whoever and whatever they need to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird thing, right? Because yeah. we're all very much alive and in a sure, real world. Sure, 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 sure. But my psychological at the time. Yeah, my balance was fucked up and off. Yeah. And it was because I was so you know, when you get off of uh, barbiturates or fucking, what are they even called? What is Xanax? It's like a... Pills, yeah. as they used to say in the old pills, days. Pills, yeah, you <laughs> call them pills. But, like, certain pills have, like, really weird psychological sure. shit that happens when you get off It's of not them. just the pleasant trees the, of the taking it at the moment, but, like, the absence of it really creates this whole other like game that you end up having to navigate (laughs) oh yeah because you know you get off of them and then all of a sudden you're not drunk all day yeah yeah because they make you drunk they don't make you drunk like i gotta puke but it's like it's a different kind of it's like i am king of the mountain Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 wtbc radio is also sponsored by peggy's vegan hot sauce Locally made in Portland, Oregon, Peggy's Sauce is 100% vegan and 100% ready for you to experience a taste explosion you'll want again and again. Available in three flavors, Hotter Melon, Ghostberry, Five Star Gary, Carolina Reaper. That's with avocados. Don't forget to mark your calendars for March 18th, 2018 for the spring seasonal release. Have some of Peggy's vegan hot sauce on pop-up menu items only available on this night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, you should check it out. It's going to be at the Twilight Cafe in Portland, Oregon. And I think if you like this kind of sauce, you're going to have a great time. For more information about Peggy's sauce, including ordering inquiries, please visit Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce all one word, on either Facebook or Instagram. Let me say it one more time. Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. When you need a little something with an extra kick. Yeah, it's, I think that's fascinating, too, because like there's that struggle of trying to <clears throat> figure out who you are again. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a few times on that album where, like, in the middle of the night, if you wake up suddenly and you're, like, kind of confused and you're, like, wandering through the house, like, and you're looking out the window, like, that's kind of some of that feeling of, like, who am I? Where? What am I doing? Why is it three in the morning? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it really, it has a lot of that feeling to it in a way that um, it doesn't feel completely desolate. You yeah. know? Like, there's still something there. There's right? hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something like eventually you will wake up in the morning and you'll have to go to work and you'll forget about things eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but for right now it feels like everything. Yeah, it's that's exactly the feeling actually. Is like you wake up at three in the morning completely out of it because you're like, Why the fuck am I awake at three in the morning? Yeah. Why, what's going on? You know, you're just very confused. Uh, it, that is actually something that I haven't really mentioned to anyone about the record mm. is it is a concept record mm. like it's um it is uh, it's about basically the beginning of the record 
sonically brings you into a dark realm. Right. Right? And then you wake up in the middle of the night, uh, song five. Mm, okay. And everything is pretty haunting and different. Right, okay. And then you wake up in the morning and it's worse than it ever has been. <laughs> and that was kind of the thing. It was just like I wanted to have a record that was Captured felt confusing, that. but not the music. It just gave you the, the feeling of that, the yeah. essence of confusion and like uncertainty and wanting so badly to be good. Yeah, okay. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. That's, I think, what I, I was really trying to push on that record. It was just like, especially lyrically, I just really wanted to be good. <laughs> Not like good at what I was doing, but a good person. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. There's, yeah. that, that is a struggle that, um, especially once we have reached a super dark place, we all kind of wonder, like, are we even capable of being... Oh yeah, you know, that's. You know. <laughs> I think that's why you know it was there is because I was just like so uncertain of right if I was a good person, you know it was just like I'm trying, I'm doing my best, and sometimes it's not good enough. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, especially when you're in this mindset already of like you're changing your lifestyle for whatever reason kicking drugs or you know changing relationships new jobs yeah all of those moments can feel like why did i do this to myself yeah like, what is everything was different before and it or, or it was the same before and now it's different it's, you know like it's such a strange experience to put yourself through and then like to make it through that other side of it sometimes in the morning it doesn't feel all right anymore <laughs> like you are a different person yeah you have Whoever that other th person was is gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. You know, that's really it. That's interesting. You know, and as somebody who has been in a number of bands, too, that must be something that you already think about a little bit of, like, how each new iteration of yourself, you know, like, the, the version of you in Orchards is not the version of you in Brides when you're playing no, in that band. Definitely. <laughs> like, there's something about the way you approach guitar or the, your attack or something where it's like, the sound that you're getting is not the same Daniel. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely it. Like, that's, I can't be myself. That's like the thing. With guitar, like I used to put on this really weird persona when I get on stage with Orchards until I realized that like, it was affecting the way people actually thought I was. Oh, <laughs> okay. Like, Mick Hickman was so flabbergasted the first time he ever really talked to me. <laughs> because he was just like, holy shit, you're like a happy, like, you're a decent different guy. Person. You know? And he's just like, I just thought you fucking hated everyone and everything. Mm. Like, I used to be super reserved, super quiet. You know, the most you'd get out of me in between songs was thanks or we're orchards. Or, yeah, I could see how someone would make that guess if they all they saw was like an orchard show and knew that album. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now it's more like, I'm just like, you guys are here. Mm -hmm. fucking dance right you know like even in orchards like you guys showed up good mm -hmm. job let's do this you know I it's I just want people to have a good time yeah. I think that's the thing that's changed and then in brides it's like don't watch me you can listen to me watch Jocelyn 
you know, that's like my whole thing. Got about it. That you think you're re- a little more reserved. Yeah. Than, and I like even turn my guitar playing away from the audience. I don't even mm-hmm. want them to see what I'm doing because it's like, I'm not the focal point in that band. And yeah. I think I'm really self-conscious about that, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. uh, as like, if I'm in someone else's band, I'm not taking over. I'm not going to be the centerpiece. Right. I'm going to fucking Chris Novoselic. You know, um, yeah, a tall yeah. guy standing in the corner playing the parts that are perfect for the songs. There is a quality that I call like the perfect bass player, and and the perfect bass player can play any instrument, but it's oh, yeah. it's the person who gets what the band is and knows I should add this and no more, and I should just stand back and deliver exactly that mm-hmm. because that's what this band needs. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and like that's. A rare musician to find because a lot of people love being in charge. Like it's there's something fun about being in charge. But like when you recognize that it's your time to kind of step backwards, like that's an accomplishment. Like that takes some musicians like their whole lives. <laughs> Definitely, but I think for me it was easier just because I wanted so badly to play for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jocelyn being such a good songwriter, it was just like. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Make these songs, and I'll just do the best I can, and I'll shut up. You know? <laughs> that was cool. Cool. When you're uh, working on Bride songs, is there a different kind of influence that you're drawing from, or are you Jocelyn? Just, just, just her. Yeah. I just listen to the those songs. jangly guitar parts, man. They're yeah. pretty. They're pretty hooky. <laughs> I, her guitar parts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her guitar parts are super like, they're already catchy. So mm-hmm. it's like for me, I'm just like. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play in this scale because it works, right? And I'm gonna do this because it sounds right, and I'm gonna step off right here because it's unnecessary. I really just look up to her as a songwriter, honestly, and I think that that's why I'm able to take such a different approach in that band. It's, it's just like, yeah. you're already good, kid. Like I don't need to do anything. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> It's funny, Mick made the same comment about Jocelyn, too, when I was talking to him about <clears throat> music, where he was like, you know, he wanted to work with her specifically because of how catchy those songs were, and then, like, you know, it, it, there's something about this scene where I think everybody kind of recognizes where the talent is coming from, <laughs> you know? It's so hard, because, like, people like you and me do, mm-hmm. but it's, like, I constantly have people ask me if I taught her how to play guitar. <laughs> Um, ask her, dude. She she goes through the same shit, and yeah. it's like well, because she was playing before, like in yeah, she was solo. Jocelyn Page, right, solo right. artist, and she was playing around town. And I heard some of her music on Facebook after we had started dating, kind of. And I was just like, "You're a good songwriter. Like, let me help you put together a band." Yeah, yeah. like the original concept was like I was gonna get all of the babes around town mm. that played well, sure, to sure, to form a band with Jocelyn, so that she could have this like girl power thing going on. Because I was just like, you know, it'd be weird for me to like set you up with myself and these other older dudes, <laughs> you know. And it just, you know, they all got together as like a favor for me mm. to hear this young woman's songs. Sure, sure. And they were just like, I'm not leaving the band, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not quitting this band unless she doesn't want us in the band. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm in the band too. <laughs> you know, like right, it, right, right. it was this whole <laughs> weird thing where we're like, well, we're just gonna do it till we can find her musicians, and then it, it was first it was Aaron Brenham. He was just like, no, nah, dude, I don't, I want to play in this band. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't want to find a replacement, and I was just like, what? 
I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Adam was like, yeah, dude, this game rules. Like, I love playing in this theater. And I was like, <laughs> cool. I just didn't want to say it because, like, you know, I didn't sure. want to be the person to be like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend makes these, like, amazing songs. Mm-hmm. And, like, blah, blah, blah. You guys got to play with her. It was more like, I'm so glad you guys said it so I could be a part of it, too. <laughs> like, legitimately, right. like, that was the feeling of, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you did it. Now I can just sure play sure it's kind of it's funny how condescending people can be though in small scenes like this because like that is the you know it's very clear that you know she's been doing this for a long time and yet the assumption is automatically like well the boyfriend must have had something you know it's like the uh yeah i mean there's some it's gross yeah yeah exactly i mean you know i think we are more conscious of it only because we see people at their worst when they are doing that at shows, and it's it is gross. Uh, yeah. But like I, I I hope that at some point I stop hearing that question. <laughs> Me too, man. That's like the thing. It's always disheartening because I'm just like, dude, so, like as a songwriter, Jocelyn plays me under the table, dude. Mm. Like any any day you need a song from her, she'll write you an amazing song. Any day you need a song from me, I'm just be like, um. Come back in a month. <laughs> you know, like that's. It's like, yeah. Tell me everything you, you want. You know your strengths. Yeah, right? it's like I'll make that song, but it's like it's mm-hmm. gonna be a while. Yeah. Jocelyn is like, oh, what do you want it to be about? Boom, 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 boom. Here's a song. Right. Uh, also, it's really good, but uh, chords just move through her. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking insane, dude. Yeah. Just, well, at some point, I'm gonna get her on this mic too, because uh, um, it only makes sense. Yeah, dude. Um, so, uh, yeah, so one topic that I feel has been kind of we've referenced it a little bit, but um, we talk about it a lot more in person. I think we need to talk about the cure a little bit, if for no other reason than you just did a new Orchard's cover. Yeah. Which it doesn't sound like the cure, but it does. I don't know how you did that. Um, <laughs> like you know, it's a cure song because it's love song. It's yeah. It's not like you changed it that much. Uh, but like in hearing it, it's like this is not the cures. It's it's the whole other take on it. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, we've talked a little bit about enjoying the cure, but I just I feel like they kind of fell out of favor a little bit for a while, and I'm glad somebody is bringing it back. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that man has written some of my favorite songs of all time, mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. I feel that the reason I'm really influenced by him is because he was emotional in a time that wasn't that wasn't popular. That wasn't men showing your emotions is a good way to get your fucking teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but you think, think of it like a UK band in the '70s, and there's all this like punk rock aggro flexing going on. Oh yeah. And then like they show up, and they're just kind of like, "Boys, don't cry." Yeah. And it's like, what the. F- fuck did you just do <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's why I've always stuck with The Cure like people ask me who my favorite bands are and I'll be like you know hell mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but really that's my favorite modern band that's like right. relevant that you really need to listen to hell mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but if people were like well what's the best song in the world I'd be like well that's probably Trust or A Letter to Elise <laughs> you know, right like, songs, Robert Smith wrote them you should know those songs if you don't uh, mm-hmm. It's like that kind of a thing. It's like the it's like, you know, the fucking watermark on my top 
bands is The Cure. You know, right. it's just like this big stain <laughs> on the back. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and we bonded over our mutual love of Wish, which yes. I think. Um, so my perspective on that album is so different because it was totally panned, unlike the other Cure albums yeah. that were around. Um, and then over time, what I have found happening, especially with younger people uh, and people who are not stuck with that like older mindset of like it's got to be those singles because those singles were like the best part of the band, you know, like. Um, Wish is a fucking powerful record. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's like, Wish is like the record. My friend Preston showed it to me, and like, I remember just being like, this is the cure. Right. Holy shit, because he didn't show me the record, he showed me Trust. Mm. Just the song Trust, and I just remember being like, holy shit, this is great, man. He's like, yeah, it's the greatest fucking love song of all time, dude. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually, cool. And then I listened to the record as a whole, and it was just like, that was the record I wanted to make. Right. Every time I got into the studio with Stan, it was just like, have you listened to Wish, man? That record's fucking cool. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, <clears throat> that was the vibe back then. And then it, it's just always been like, the cure. You know, I remember being a punk kid and listening to like all of the singles. You know? yeah. like, oh man, these are cool songs. When you get older and you hear their darker stuff, and stuff that's like way over the top. Yeah. And it's like, this is just as fucking good. Yeah, you get into that like middle period there where you have like Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me and Disintegration and 17 Seconds where it's like they're just on fire in terms of like writing songs. And I think when you're younger, you don't, you, you latch on to other stuff first. Yeah. It takes a little while for that to kind of like catch on with you when you've been through some shit, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was definitely easier like, to listen to that record as an adult been like 20 years old. Like, yes. You're not really an adult until you're like 24, you know, 25. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. No matter what your fucking parents say, it doesn't <laughs> fuck them. Um, it's just like, it's always seemed that way, and it really seemed that way after I became 25, you know, right. you know almost 30, and it's like, your adulthood happens in your mid-20s and you want to kill yourself because you, you're not prepared, you don't know any of this shit. And then you hear a record like Wish and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Someone else had to do it too. <laughs> you know, like that's how it felt. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you're, you're talking about something that I feel very strongly. It's like, that's what music allows us to do, is to like find other people in the world who are like, oh shit, you went through this too. Oh, okay. We get each other. Yep. You know? <laughs> I think, yeah, that's that's a big part of music. I think, I think it's the only thing that makes me keep doing it. Mm. It's just like, it's obviously not the the money, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, there's better ways to make money, <laughs> fuck yeah, man, I can go bartend a couple nights a week and make more of that money in a month than I'd make out of my cut of playing every weekend, you know, right. like, yeah. it just doesn't work like that anymore, so, it's like, I'm gonna put this out, and hopefully it strikes a chord in someone, hopefully it helps them and their day, midlife crisis, whatever the fuck it may be, hopefully it helps. Which also touches back on me wanting to be a better person. You know, like I've, all, I've always been selfish and weird. When I was younger, I was just like, how is this going to benefit me? You know. Right. And now it's just like, it's not going to benefit me. It's actually going to fucking 
you tear me up, man. Like, I'm going to have to spend a bunch of fucking money to do it, and no one's going to appreciate it, but I'm still going to try. Right. You know, it's the constant, you know, it's like the the search for the Holy Grail. You know, it's just that fucking timeless story that fucking millions of people die. You know, same thing with music. We're just trying to make a song people can sing to you and feel it, and then we're going to die, and maybe people will remember that song. You know, maybe they won't. And either way, it's none of your fucking business because you're dead. that's going to do it for us this week here on the program uh, my conversation with daniel lauren and uh yeah please check the show notes for this one i'm going to have links into the uh orchards stuff and uh yeah i think you're going to enjoy it uh, as well um, this is uh, one of those albums that uh if you are at all piqued by some of the uh musical reference points that we dropped throughout this conversation this is definitely going to work in your favor. I want to give a thank you to Paco and Laura Jones, who happened to compose the opening theme music. And, of course, our closing credits are by the band X. Uh, check us out on the Interwebatron, anywhere, anywhen.wordpress.com for all of our back episodes. We're also in iTunes and all of the places that you usually procure those fine podcasts that you listen to. Uh, you know, we are uh, in the process of kind of establishing ourselves, and uh, we've got some excellent sponsors that I'm really excited to have on the program, uh, including Live Bar, Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, and J. Jean Portraits. But if you are interested in becoming a sponsor on the program, please drop us an email, austinrich at gmail.com. I'd be very happy to work with you and find a way that uh, we can scratch each other's back. And the localer, the better. Also, just drop me a line and let me know what you think of the program. You know, uh, I'm trying to kind of keep things a little shaken up from week to week so that we get a variety of people uh, from different spheres of the world, but uh, I'm really curious to know uh, what you think as a listener, how the program is interesting you, what parts do you look forward to, are there things that eh, greet you a little differently and would uh, maybe be best served in another show? Uh, please, let me know what you think. I, I, you know, This is kind of an evolving format here and I, I really enjoy doing this program quite a bit but uh, I also really enjoy hearing what you think so austinrich at gmail.com for your opinions we'll just say don't forget uh, we are actually doing a live version of this podcast in front of an audience with a couple of bands performing live Sadgasm and Some Kind of Nightmare this is happening at the Space Concert Club on Wednesday February 28th. So if you are hearing this the day it comes out, this live show happens tomorrow. So please 
consider dropping by. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some live music, some interviews, some vegan hot sauce. Eh, It'll be pretty, pretty cool. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Man bear pig. <laughs> we came together like a few of us were in this other band called We Were Epic, and we broke up because our drummer was this like really intense person that like didn't know how to like handle their emotions. Uh, okay. And it just wasn't healthy for young drug addicts trying to play music. <laughs> right. Um, so we started that band. Literally. We were a band for nine months, at most, <laughs> and the guitar player and myself at the time should have died. Like there were <laughs> many times where overdoses happened. Oh, like okay. not joking. Like right, it, right. it's not funny, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we wrote an EP. We recorded it. I'm literally like a month later broke up. And I still have people talking to me about that band, trying to get us to do reunions. And I'm just like, do you think any of us want to play grindcore? <laughs> like, hardcore music, we're all fucking adults. Right, like, right. Yeah, that's fun when you're a kid. The, the, the ideal, like, man-bear-pig reunion would have to be, like, at a brunch, you know, somewhere. In the have to, yeah, like, it'd have to be, like, the most, like, heinous thing. Like, yeah, where, like, you know, people are there for something else, and then man-bear-pig show shows up. Yeah. <laughs> that I would be about. But other than that, it's like, why would you try and, like, organize this thing about music that happened, and although it may or may not have been ahead of its time, or it may or may not have been good. Right. I don't know. I don't care. That music's fucking wild, dude. Well, and so much of it is, like, place and context, you know? Like, you have a good night at a crazy show, and oh, you're yeah. like, oh, this is my favorite band. And it turns out you don't know shit about Thinking Colors Union or whatever. Like, you were just there that yeah. day. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get the album home, and it's not what you thought. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's, like, that's the whole thing. And that was the worst band I was in, the worst name. Uh, I was in a band called The Pilot's Ghost, Serenade of Flames, uh, Indigo Hearts, the first band. Farewell, Alaska. It's uh, kind of feels meaningful, but kind of falls apart when you think about it. <laughs> well, I was really into cocaine before oh. that band started, mm. and uh, it was like that band started the day I was supposed to be getting clean. <laughs> yeah, and that that fell apart, you know, because. I couldn't stay sober. At that time, I was really addicted to cocaine. WTPC Anywhere Anywhere From my house to yours